And we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dutch Web3 Community Podcast, where this week we have uh, our friend and community member, Patrick Cole, with us. Patrick, welcome. Happy to have you here, man. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, thank you very much. I'm doing pretty well. Pretty excited for this podcast. Yeah, Amazing. Awesome, man. How are you doing, Bo? Doing very well. Uh, happy to have you here, Patrick. Been a long time coming. Uh, pleasure to, to, to have met you. Uh, really looking forward to uh, where this conversation is going. <laughs> me too, me too. Likewise. So you're a pretty young guy as well. Um, How did you get into crypto? And uh, yeah, I mean, tell us the story. Yeah, so um, I think in 2017, there was a big, uh, obviously crypto was getting really big and everyone was uh, making massive returns. So that's when I first heard about it. And my friends and I were just looking at it and, seeing what type of coins we wanted to invest in. At the end of the day, I didn't invest in anything because my parents said, well, you shouldn't invest in anything like this because it's really dangerous. So uh, I was just doing a lot of research, but didn't actually have money in, in crypto. Might be a good thing because after that uh, bubble, everything crashed. So might be a good thing. I learned a lot that way. Uh, so that was really nice. Uh, and they didn't really do much with crypto, just having chats with friends uh, who loved crypto, but I wasn't really that much into it because I was working at a startup at the time that was mostly focused on real estate. Um, and during that startup, it was like a startup where we taught people how to invest in real estate, but we also had a, a technical part of it with a platform that connected like real estate investors with real estate deals. Um, and I was one of the project managers of that project. And then we thought, hey, blockchain is also an interesting thing maybe we can make a tokenized real estate fund where we don't have to teach people how to invest in real estate, but we just build a tokenized real estate fund where people just buy tokens and we can invest with that money and with our own knowledge. So uh, yeah, started to do a bunch of research in that. At the end of the day, we didn't build it because well, all types of different reasons that we can go into later. Um, and yeah, stuck into Web3, uh, did a lot of research, did a lot of investing, mostly into NFTs. I wasn't really into DeFi yet, so I did mostly NFT related stuff. Also had a big passion for gaming, so that was like my niche. Um, and yeah, that's how, how it all started. That's awesome, man. So uh, oh, how, just for... how, sorry, Yelle, how old were you at that time? You said he's pretty young. So your parents actually uh, right were, now... were still like uh, the guiding lines for you at that time. How old were you? Yeah, in 2017, I was 17. So right now I'm 21. Insane. So you were 17 yeah. <laughs> when you started uh, investigating, but also started in a startup. Uh, the, the startup was in 2018. So 18. Nice. <laughs> so just for yeah. some context, how'd you get into that? Because uh, we talked a little bit before about uh, school for you and your relationship with that. Tell us a little more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2017 ish, I joined the university in Rotterdam. So I started to study business administration and, uh, yeah, I thought it was a bit boring and it was all, all the stuff was going really slow and I didn't really like it. And, uh, for some reason I really like marketing. So I started as a marketing freelancer, uh, just learned a lot there, like work for 30 or 40 different companies, just setting up their marketing strategies and, setting up mostly Google advertising strategies. Um, and that went really well. So 
during that journey, I learned a lot about how do you get customers? How do you sell customers? Uh, so everything sales, everything marketing, uh, that was really interesting, but I wasn't really, uh, I, I wanted to help one company a lot and not like 40 different companies, but I want to grow one company to, to a huge company. So I was also interested in real estate. So yeah, uh, joined the real estate, uh, seminar with my father actually, and my nephew, uh, and yeah, it was pretty cool. So I just reached out to the guys and said, Hey guys, I think it's pretty cool what you guys are building. How can I help? Like I'm willing to work for free. I don't care. Uh, let me help. Let me show what I can do. And, uh, yeah, that's how it started. And they really liked the vibe. I really had a good vibe with them. So yeah, they were, uh, then I started there working there as a, I started as a SEO as and, and Google ads specialist at the company. But since we were so small, like I was like one of the first employees there, it didn't really make sense to be so specialized. So I saw a bunch of stuff going wrong and I just started figuring out how to fix it. And uh, basically the, the startup life, like there, there's a, there's a 10,000 problems every day. So uh, just start fixing them and uh, yeah, learn a lot that way. So that's yeah, how it I sounds like you were degening before degening was a thing, huh? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> something like that pretty yeah. cool yeah so uh then you uh, got into contact with crypto and with nfts but mainly before because of business right and yeah so yeah yeah just oh, i was you know what i didn't like about crypto is that a lot of people were just in it for the money and everyone who i talked to was like yeah i make a shit ton of money doing crypto i was like yeah well i'm not really in it like obviously money is a cool thing and it's nice to you know earn money with the stuff that you do uh, uh, but it's not my main goal. So I wasn't really, I was like, well, I don't really want to be in an industry where everything is about money. Uh, so yeah, when I actually looked at what, what blockchain does and that kind of stuff, that's when I was hooked basically. Right. And at some point you did get into it personally as well, right? You started investing a little bit, just investigating the space. How was that journey? Yeah. So that was like, uh, July ish in 2021. So, uh, almost a year ago, I, uh, just dove into NFTs and, and gaming and the combination of that, because that's what I like most, uh, and saw a company called Gala games and it was, I thought it was a really interesting company with really interesting people behind it. And, uh, I was like, well, let's just try it out. Let's just start investing and see what happens. Could you tell uh, a bit more about yeah, Gala, Gala games for people? that don't know what, what's it, what it's about, because it's a big name in the space, right? Yeah, it's, it's huge, uh, especially in gaming. Well, huge for, in terms of how big the space, like the space overall in the whole world is not that big yet, but within the gaming space, it's pretty big. So Gala Games basically is a, an infrastructure gaming company. If you're into gaming, you can compare it to like Steam, but then the Steam of blockchain. So basically they have a whole marketplace and all the infrastructure for games to yeah, launch a blockchain game. So game studios can go to Gala, work with them and Gala provides all the legal help, all the marketing help, all the blockchain knowledge, all the expertise that you need basically. Um, and yeah, that's what they do. And they do it for a bunch of different games right now. They recently announced a partnership with Epic Games for a new game called Grid. So that actually makes it possible uh, for everyone who is in the Epic game store, which has like 180 million people to start playing a blockchain game within one click. And that's, that's yeah. huge. 
I've been to uh, just a bit of context. I've been to uh, Galaverse, which is the the Gala Games event, actually this week. Like so, I uh, came back to the Netherlands yesterday. Um, it was a three day event in Malta, and they basically told everything about Gala Games and what they're up to, and got a bunch of sneak peeks. It was uh, really cool. That's exciting cool. stuff. So what what you're saying is like they're using the same strategies as free-to-play games, but then for blockchain gaming. And what does that bring to the space of gaming? Because we, we the three of us understand a bit of the digital ownership, but for the listeners, what kind of shift, monumental shift is, is happening within gaming and blockchain? Yeah, that's a great question. So what happens right now, if you look at current games such as I don't know FIFA or Call of Duty. Like people play thousands and thousands of hours in those games, but at the end of the day, it's just like the stuff that you see in the screen. It's just fake. It's it, it's not there. Like it's not your, it's not yours. So if you play FIFA all the time, let's say you spend thousand hours in FIFA, you have an amazing team because you spend so much time in it. You have, for example, Messi and Ronaldo and all that kind of players. But the moment you stop playing that game. It's, it's worth nothing. Like maybe you can sell your whole account, which is illegal in most of the games. Um, but what, what happens with, with blockchain and NFT technology is that every single asset in your game is an NFT. And that means that you can sell those assets or you can rent them out. So let's say I play, let, let's say, let's imagine FIFA was a blockchain game. Then I would be able to play a lot of FIFA, would get a, a crazy football player like Lionel Messi that would be an NFT. And if I didn't want to play with it myself, I could sell it to someone else and can make money from the hours that I spent in the game. Or I can sell you, well, I don't want to play with Messi right now, but I want to keep playing the game or, or not. And then I can rent it out. So I can say, well, hey, Bo, you can rent my Lionel Messi card for an X amount of coins per day, or we can split the revenue or whatever. And then I can also make money by with this stuff that I earned in a game. So that's that's one of the ways how play to earn works. And I, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, that's basically it. And uh, in that explanation, you touched on uh, renting quite a bit. Tell us more about yep. why you're so obsessed <laughs> with the renting part of that. Yeah, so to give a bit of context right now, I work at a company called 3NFT. And basically what we do is we build NFT rental infrastructure, mostly for games. So it's, it's really tough to build games. And as a game, you don't really want to focus on the infrastructure too much. So what we did is we basically built all the rental infrastructure that you need. So you could just plug into our system and have rentals enabled for your game. Uh, and th that's why I'm one of the reasons why I'm pretty passionate about it. Uh, but also because I just think it's, it has a huge opportunity. Like uh, all the people in the Philippines, for example, who don't have that much money, they can't, they can't buy like NFTs that are worth thousands and thousands of euros, but people who can, can rent them out to the people who cannot afford it. And then you can split the revenue. So you can say, well, hey, this is the NFT. So you see this a lot with Axie Infinity, right? So people have Axies, which are the, the in-game characters. They rent them out, the people with money buy them and they rent them out to people who have time, but don't have the money. Then the, that person, mostly from the Philippines because they're like in a, a lower income country and therefore it makes pretty sense pretty quickly to, to start playing. So they start playing, they earn coins 
and they split it with the owner and the guy who rents it, so the gamer in this case. And then the gamer can essentially pay his his or her bills by playing a game. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Of course. How'd you get into contact with ReNFT and how'd you get your position there? Yeah, so it was uh, pretty funny. Like I, uh, a friend of mine is also building a play to earn game and I had a chat with him about rentals. Uh, and then I was like, okay, interesting. So he's spending time on building the rental infrastructure himself, but isn't this something that all games do? So then I, then I started talking with multiple games uh, and found out that actually it's like a, there's a big overlap in what they all have to build. And so a big distraction of building the core game actually. So I was like, well, let's build a startup where I'm just providing rental infrastructure. And then I did some competitor analysis and found ReNFT. So I was like, well, let's just have a chat with these guys, see what they're up to. And uh, yeah, it was pretty nice. I really like the guys. They have a lot of experience in the, in the space. I was like, well, I can learn a lot here uh, and I'd better just join them and uh, work together than to compete because I'd rather make sure that we build something that's actually useful than to you yeah, want to make impact in a way, right? For no reason. That's what you're sure. Right. So yeah. why, right? So why would you like compete with them if you feel like they are actually on the right path to building the right? This thing? is really Web three. So, like, okay, uh, someone's yeah. building something. Let's just get a, get into a conversation. Oh, can I join you? Yeah. Okay. If if we create some benefits for each other, we'll uh, build together. That that's just the way it's going right now. Could you? Could you zoom in yep. on that part? Like, okay, uh, all these these business owners uh, that are building the structures in the space right now are really reachable. Is that something that surprised you in this space? And what what does it mean for you? Uh, just you're in the space for a year now, actively participating. Uh, what changed for you as a person? Because you've touched on the subject with me personally and with Yella. Uh, you said I was kind of introverted, but what changed with Web three? Yeah, so it indeed is really easy to to reach a lot of people, especially in bear markets. So at the top of the market, it's it's a bit uh, tougher because all the people are like who are in it for the money also want to have a chat with them. So they're like, well, let's just focus on building and don't really talk too much to those people. In bear markets, it's really easy to to yeah, to talk to the right people. Um, yeah, we ha we had a chat about this. So uh, I'm I'm mostly like a pretty introverted guy. Like I don't really talk to many people uh well i do talk to a lot of people but I, i'm not like uh I, like i really have to force myself especially at a conference to talk to different people especially in groups like i'm really good at one-on-one -on -one conversations like no problem at all but um like for some reason in groups it's just not my my thing it's like always been uh, that way but uh yeah web3 everyone is so helpful to each other like uh if if Bo tells me something, he's like, well, I'm searching for this or this type of guy. I just keep it in my mind. And every time I talk to new people and I see someone that might be interested, I try to connect everyone. So uh, ah, I, I think that's just the amazing thing about Web3, whereas you, you don't really see that in, well, you do also see it in Web2, but way less. Like there's a lot of like, I don't want to share what I'm doing. I want to make sure that I do it myself and I don't I don't need help or don't want help or that kind of stuff. Whereas in Web3, everyone's like, well, let's just connect each other to see how we can help each other. And I think that's amazing. That has opened a lot of possibilities, but also a lot of conversations for you as a person, because you're the business development side 
at the business development side of, of NFT at the moment, right? Right. But you also mentioned it's still a startup. Is it is it basically the same thing like at the real estate company where you're uh, trying to catch all these balls that that are being held up or um, what does your day look like? Uh, yeah, a bit. A, it's a bit less diversified than at the real estate startup. Like at the real estate startup, I literally did everything. So it was like one day it was operations, next day it was finance, then it was setting up a CRM system, like connecting it with email systems, like all, like everything. Uh, so I learned a lot there. Right now it's mostly focused on just partnerships, talking to games mostly, but also other types of companies who want rentals. So uh, yeah, a day looks like it's mostly talking to, to people. Sometimes there are like new people we get introduced to by investors or by people that I know. Um, sometimes I'm just uh, doing cold outreach to see like, hey, what what's what are the new companies in the space? And maybe we can have a chat with them and see if we can work with them. It's, it's mostly connecting all the time, seeing where I can help people, seeing where we can yeah, provide our service in their game, where what they're up to. And because right now, like we are building NFT rentals uh, infrastructure, but it only makes sense to implement that when you're like pretty close to launching the game because you know, rentals are basically useless if you don't have a working game and a lot of games are still in development so what that means is that i'm already talking to them but they might launch in like six months but during that time i want to make sure that that relationship is still healthy so i try to help them wherever i can so might be an introduction to a guild or to i don't know recruiter or a new business guy or a new developer or whatever just to make sure those relationships keep healthy and yeah, that we can all help each other in the space. So most of the time of the day, I'm just helping other people. Cool. <laughs> right. And uh, currently in the space, like you already mentioned, a lot of the games are in development. Um, what, what do you think the space is at right now? And what is your position in that? And where do you think it needs to go and is going? Yeah, so if you look at mostly the gaming space, I'd say we had like the Axie Infinity boom with it, which is which is a really big game, but it's really a boring game that's just people just play it to make money. And that was like the first phase of, of gaming. That was like the proof of concept of play to earn gaming. And now the next phase will be games that are actually fun that people actually want to play. So uh, basically everyone I talk to who is building a game right now just says, well, what we're going to do is build a fun game. Uh, so that's that's definitely like the next step. Uh, reality is that it's really, really hard to build a fun game. Like most games fail. Like if you look at Steam, there are thousands and thousands of games. Most of them, yeah, get never played actually, or not that much. So yeah, I think it's an interesting moment in the space where we are starting to see more games that are actually fun. Like... I don't know, Illuvium, Big Time, that kind of stuff. Like those are pretty cool games. Um, but also a really interesting thing is like everyone is trying to figure out how to build a sustainable game economy, actually, because it's it's really hard to have a game economy that's built in a way where it's sustainable for the long term so that not people just start playing just to make money. Because the moment there is a lot of uh, like people 
get earn money in the game and they get it out of the game so they convert it back to for example fiat or, or stable coins or any other coin they're basically grabbing money from the from the game and from the game economy and removing it from the economy and therefore the economy uh, gets worse and worse so everyone is just trying to figure this, that out and yeah i think that's the, probably the next steps for the space would be that someone is going to figure out how to how the sustainable game economy actually works um and just a bunch of people just playing games and making it easier for web2 gamers to get on board it in blockchain games to try it out to teach them about it uh, yeah that's that's basically where we're at well maybe we can go into that a little deeper i i read this uh, linkedin article the other day that in 2013 there was a big triple a uh, gaming studio that made one of their games like the next iteration with an open marketplace and i think after a year of that they quit because diablo was was that yeah diablo is what it was yeah Di- diablo people started playing that uh and and at a certain moment people bought the best best stuff and just wrecked the economy and, right, and yeah. that's what what Patrick is talking about a bit. I think it's Diablo three, right, Patrick? You you're probably aware. I'm not sure. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, I think we underestimate right now, like what that economy has got to look like. The, the guys of Castle of Blackwater that we talked to a while ago, they seem to have a pretty good model right now. They're developing their game as well, but uh, it's definitely very interesting. Yeah, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, they have a they have a pretty interesting concept uh i'd love to see how that works out like within the game so uh but i think that they have a unique and interesting concept but for example if i look at how gala games does it they hired like i don't know 10 or 20 people like who are like who have majors in in economics to just study game economics and just try to figure out as a full-time job how to build a sustainable game economy like like 10 to 20 people full-time every day yeah. we're trying to figure this stuff out and that's just for the company gala games like it's it's really tough so uh yeah it's it's and it's really interesting that's also and that, there's there's so many mechanics within the games that that like it's not a one size fits all i guess right probably not you've got kind of board games but you also have the like the triple a games like yella touched on diablo 3 uh it's it's a game by blizzard right and it's it's pretty epic game it's not raiding dungeons there's a lot of in-game mechanics but exploits within within um marketplaces that that run on actual money it's it's there's so much greed involved right people are going to exploit every opportunity there is, uh, I think yeah. that's, I don't know, what's your sentiment about uh, the NFT market as a whole? Like there's a lot of scamming happening um, and it's in, in gaming as a whole, right? There's always been scamming in there. If you look at games like RuneScape back in the day, um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, people were getting hacked a lot uh, people were getting social engineered into the the wildy and getting killed on on, on spot because they weren't aware of the in-game mechanics um <laughs> and, and also the currency in-game was sold on different marketplaces outside of the game um so basically what what's happening with blockchain and in a transparent way was already created just 
because of greed within the normal econ economy and opportunity within the normal economy. Um, yeah. What do you think will happen uh, the upcoming months within NFT gaming um, on, on, on the greed side? Will it dumb down because of the, the bear market or? Um, I honestly think that, well, as you see right now, everything is going down and gaming is going down as, as quickly as the rest of, uh, of the crypto uh, crypto world basically so i don't know I, i i feel like gaming is one of the first things we've seen in the crypto space where there's actually a, a really really good use case for mass adoption uh, like something that can be used actually every single day by people like there are literally more than a billion gamers in the world so we're playing games every day we're using like currencies in their game right now so if we as a space uh figure out how to build a sustainable game economy but also how to build a fun game at the same time then i think that's one of the first times in in web3 that we're going to that we're potentially going to see a way that uh that we see a market that is deep back from bitcoin so bitcoin obviously has this these cycles So I think maybe uh, gaming is one of the first uh, yeah, niches that, that might have its own cycle at some point. Like at some point we need to, at some point the, the Bitcoin won't lead everything anymore, I guess. So I think one of the most important things is just mass adoption. I think gaming just has a, yeah, has just huge potential to do that. So if, if we figure that out, Then we could see cool stuff. Then we could see like a, I don't know, a gaming bull market within a whole crypto bear market and that kind of stuff. But a lot of people are talking about that, that, that like what I just said. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. But it's it's definitely interesting to 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 check out. I think gaming is entertainment, right? And entertainment is something people always go to in the end if it's raining outside they they need an escape uh to entertain themselves get them engaged um and creating like social engagement games um we we listened to tom bilio in uh in in when we were in minneapolis and he was he was talking about the metaverse and what it would mean for gaming and um he was he was talking a lot about interoperability What, what do you think about interoperability and uh, gaming with metaverses? What, what will happen there? And, and how do you think about the state it's in right now? Because basically, uh, if we plug in our PlayStations or Xboxes right now, we can play GTA on high resolution 4K and we'll have a blast, right? There's so much to do. There's so much engagement. It's like a real metaverse. But the current state of the metaverse what's your what's your opinion on that yeah so that interoperability thing i think it's essential if you want to actually make sure that nfts matter like in gaming so if you think about it let's say there's a game studio that builds a game and there are nfts that are that belong to that specific game that's amazing and people can sell the nfts and blah blah blah, blah, blah. you know the story but the moment this game studio stops like goes bankrupt or stops building the game or whatever happens that he just 
the game studio is not developing the game anymore, then all of a sudden the value of those NFTs will drop immensely. But if those NFTs can also be used in different games, then the NFT actually stays valuable. So I think it's really, really important if you actually want a decentralized gaming space that NFTs are interoperable. So, um, and what do you think is needed yeah. to create a certain type of interoperability? Because uh, as of as we understand it, Yell and me were explaining like, okay, um, it's going to be really hard to create um, interoperability on the on the uh, shooter side because of um, there there are certain uh, parameters and sizes, hit boxes, right? So uh, just talking about a headshot, right? If I'm a character from from V Friends, that's what he basically said. Like V Friends is like this. <laughs> it doesn't look like a lot of fun to game with, but uh, mm-hmm. if you see the characters, they're just doodles. So. Uh, if I'm a doodle within a shooter like Call of Duty, fighting against another player that's using an avatar that's just a human person, and I ha- make a headshot, the hitbox marker is completely different. The sizing, the just the basic rules of uh, of of the whole game uh, are different. So, uh, what what do you think about that? Is that is that a uh, is that a reason why interoperability won't work for everything, or will there be solution for that? Or well, the the for example, the example with the hitboxes and the headshots, I'm not sure if, if that would technically be the biggest problem because let's say you have a V friends, so you want to play a shooter game, you want to have that V friends NFT in a shooter game, then the game or V friends just has to design. Uh, you know, characters for all those V friends in game, but those will all be adjusted. So if you play in the sandbox with your V friends, it would be like a voxel uh, character. But if you play in a, you know, a more realistic, like let's say Decentraland, that's a bit different, then it would need a completely different, uh, yeah, 3D. Yeah, uh, but, but, that but like? that, that's basically the thing, uh, like that, that's not interoperable. You need to no, use it's not other like standards, play, right? Just use it. And 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 to make it mass adop- mass adoption possible, we need to create so little mu- a little bit of friction as possible, right? So well, uh, bas- let's phrase the question this way. Yeah, Let, let's just make it really uh, concrete. So Tom basically said uh, we need uh, Uncle Mark with 160 billion a year to the set the standard. <laughs> yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, right? Like in this case, or somebody like that, that is going to create a standard. Do you think that is needed or do you think we can live without that? Well, if you really want to build a, a world where you can plug, like put your NFT into any system and just start playing, then yeah, you would need a standard. But uh, I don't think that will happen at all because so many games just have different styles and so many games... Yeah, but in in the current current gaming world, there's like standards, right? We've got consoles that are actually forcing standards upon the games, because if you want to be uh, part of the logistical game, you need to commit to those standards. So what's happening right now? There's a lot of liquidity within the blockchain world and the gaming world, and it's all being pushed into uh, their own standardizations and. Basically, if you if you align in the way that 
that Tom is saying, and you've got that funky uncle that that's not really uh, supporting the whole decentralization part, but he's going to create the standard that would push mass adoption to a next level, right? Um, but it's funny, you're like, okay, I don't think it's going to be fundamental to um, to uh, the gaming space at this moment in time, right? Um, what yeah. what do you think is fundamental? Is it pure the economy, or is it going to be the the balance between fun games and ownership? Yeah, basically the latter. So I, it's the most important thing is, as you said, like building a game that's actually fun to play that you play even if you wouldn't earn anything. Uh, making sure that the economy is sustainable, uh, and also making sure that it's really easy to start playing this game. So don't the user experience needs to be way better than it is right now. So people shouldn't be like making a wallet and uh, getting a seed phrase and writing it down because it's all way too complex. It should just be simple like it is in, well, the current Web2 gaming space. So it's it's a simple onboarding, sustainable economies and a fun game. That's the, that's the way to go. And th I think that will actually bring mass adoption and the whole NFT interoperability thing I don't know. I, I, I think you could see it as a, actually, I see it as a more as like a different collapse between different games just to also make those NFTs more valuable. But I don't think that you'd have specific standards in terms of, uh, I don't know, 3D design or something just to make sure that you can plug it into any system. I, I, I'm not, I don't think that will happen. And if it will happen, it will probably only be for skins because if your NFT has a specific buff, so let's say you're, I don't know, you have a character in a game and it can run a bit faster, but it's built for game A and now you want to use it in game B and it, it, it can't have the same buff because maybe that game B is, uh, the, the, the per parameters are like completely different. Yeah. So if you actually have that a little bit more speed, you're like overpowered, like that kind of stuff probably yeah, like, like work, the laws so of nature, right? Like, yeah. Uh... You, you've got gravity uh, here on the Earth, but also on the moon, it's different. And that's basically the same thing for characters in games, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But um, what's been something that I'm maybe within re-NFT or maybe within your personal uh, uh, journey within NFTs and Web3 that you've been looking at lately that uh, has caught your attention? Um, so I, I think web three and real estate is an interesting combination that I'm researching right now. I don't know too much about it yet, but I, I think it's an interesting thing. Uh, and one of the things that I do know way more about is like the problem that like at some point NFTs will, like the games will be there, the NFTs will be there and people will want, who have NFTs will want to rent them out to specific scholars. But right now you already see this, that there's so much demand for scholarships, but there's little supply. So there are a lot of people want to play with those NFTs, but there's just a short amount of NFTs. So guilds uh, spend a lot of time trying to figure out like, what scholar is good, like reading resumes, having chats with them, I don't know, maybe even like video chats to see if someone is trustable, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I think it's an interesting problem that, that, that needs to be solved. 
So that's one of the things I'm, I'm thinking about right now a lot, uh, just to build even more utility on future problems in the play to earn gaming industry. Do you think education is a, is an issue? Education in terms of like what? you're, you're, you're talking about people joining these projects to build out these projects. And do you think the skills that are required to do so are skills that, uh, still need to be uh, formalized? Like, uh, the, the, the skill to work in unity or the skill to work in rust or the skill in, in terms of, uh, web three marketing or, uh, web three gaming. No, I, I, maybe if you look at really web three specific stuff, so web three marketing, there might need to be more education on that on YouTube, etc. but like rust development, game development, game design, that kind of stuff. There's so much information on the internet about that. Like, I don't think it's a problem that like, I don't think there's a problem there that we need more education on that side. Even smart contract development and that kind of stuff. Like if you join communities, if you look at all types of websites on the internet, like there's so much information about that already and it's not even that old. So probably not. No, not, not really formal education, but education that's that, uh, like your uh, oh, self thought. Yeah, Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I do everything self-taught. So yeah, exactly. You're in that mindset uh, of like, I need a skill. <laughs> where can I learn it? I'll use Google. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't even thinking about like formal education in the university or something. No, um, uh, honestly, I don't know much about it. I do know that there are a few in universities now, uh, offering like courses on blockchain related stuff, but like, obviously there's, there's a lot of universities about game design and that kind of things, but maybe not too much on web three. Like it would be nice if it would be there, but honestly, if you want to learn it, like just Google it or type it in on YouTube and you'll find it like you find way more than in a formal study. Uh, but maybe I'm a bit, uh, bit biased because yeah, how, how do you go about that? Because you're, you're basically self thought in, in many yeah. ways that that's the whole thing. Um, what, 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 what's your process like? So I got this a bit from Alex Ramosi. Like if I were, uh, I do a lot of, uh, self-reflection so if i look walk into a if i have a problem then i'm just like okay i have a problem that means i i'm missing a skill to solve this problem and i'm looking like okay what what is this skill so let's say i don't know uh, i have a website but no one is going to my website but i also have no sales but what's like the main problem right here well first people need to go to the website in order to be sold so then I'm okay so i need people to go to the website so my problem is i don't have the skill marketing and I'll just search for the top three or five books on marketing uh, on Google, just read them two or three times and then uh, see if I understand it. And if not, learn more. But most of the time, if you do that, you can learn a skill in like a few weeks or months, like the basics. I'm not saying that you're a master or expert in any way, but you probably learn enough to solve your problem. Uh, and even if you spend like half a year on that specific skill, then you are, uh, you're pretty skilled in that specific area. So that's mostly how I do that. So a lot of self-reflection um, and just a lot of learning. What's the skill that you're developing right now? Uh, probably something business development related, but also one skill, I think I'm, I'm getting better at that. So that's great. Um, but one of the skills that I really want to have right now is 
uh, evaluating startup ideas and making sure that I, okay, like, like, how do I make sure that if I have an idea that I can actually find out whether it's worth spending time on this stuff or not. So, uh, yeah, that's probably the next skill for me to, to acquire. Uh, yeah. So how about you guys? What are you up to? <laughs> Well, is it like a specific skill? What's like, is there like a specific skill you guys are, are trying to acquire or a specific thing you'd love to, to learn right now? I mean, we definitely got some books ready here to, uh, to, to use, to start building the Dutch three community as an organization. So, uh, just writing down the plans, like creating good, good funnels, good structures, uh, to be able to sell and just, you know, do startup work. I think that's something that we're both learning right now in the process of so nice yeah, yeah it, it's 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 you've been there patrick and uh, basically just figuring out what kind of uh rules and legislation you're uh, going to be involved with and making sure it's scalable at a uh, a longer period of time i think those fundamentals just learning them is going to pay off in the long term so uh, Definitely. i do believe that you have to move before you you need to act before before but uh we're acting for th 10 months now right we're, we're building a community you're a part of it and uh, there's so much knowledge within there so we don't have to do everything but we need to have a good understanding of okay if we want to grow this in, in to the potential it, it has uh we need to be really aware of what's uh, going to happen at the back end and we need to be really aware uh, of the, the 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 impact it's going to have on the people that are involved. Because if I'm going to ask you, Patrick, help us with marketing, you have to keep the light, lights on as well, right? So yep. we need to create a structure uh, to keep everybody fed and also the community because we're going to implement some crazy shit, right? We're going to figure out together as a community how we're going to run a DAO, but we all figure it out like, oh shit uh DAOs aren't even legal <laughs> here in the Netherlands so that's a big issue but the fun thing is when when we um yeah you you explained it perfectly when when there's shit you you start you start scooping it up and just one by one figuring out uh what the ne next step in the process is and I think something beautiful nice, that beautiful. our generation yeah. and, and, and you might have uh maybe find it to be a native thing to you is that we can learn from the best in the world right now. Like the best in the world, write a book that you can buy for what, 20 to a hundred bucks. Yeah. And they put everything they know in there. Right. I think people underestimate that like 20 years ago, that wasn't possible. You couldn't learn from the best. And, and now, like you said, it's so slow in school. In school, they're probably like 10 years behind on most studies. And here you can literally get the newest stuff of the most successful people in the world uh, and, and learn from them. And I think that's what we're trying to do right now as well is figure out like, how do we want to structure this and what has worked for other people? What's different for us? And I think we're, we're getting there. I think we'll, uh, you know, we need, we need a couple of weeks to really uh, yeah, make it real, so to say. And then uh, I, have, I have confidence in what we're doing. So it's good. I heard some interesting plans, so uh, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> nice. And it's open source as well, right? So you can always uh, see what we're up to. Every Wednesday, we, we've got the community call. Uh, we're just in research phase, and uh, 
after a certain uh, milestones, we'll, we'll dive deep in uh, and, and really create a business with each other. And it's such an exciting time. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really wondering, Patrick, where, where do you think things are going for the community, but also for the space as a whole? Do, do you think it's like the, the perfect solution for the world, blockchain technology as a whole, the Web3 ideology or... Are you like it's just so new? It's it's it has to prove itself before uh, I, I can really assess that. Um, I don't know. I I I think obviously I think Web three has a has a huge and bright future. Uh, like lately, I've been uh, how do you say like com comforted with with. Uh, censorship and that kind of stuff like a lot like i talk to people from china and talk to people from all types of parts in the world and i see that like centralization if used in a bad way is actually well really bad for for the people so i i just hope that we as a space like right now we're, we're going from a bull market to a bear market and that's the moment where all the builders keep building and like everyone it's a bit uh and I said, it's like a bit uh, under the radar, but we all keep building. And I think as long as we keep building, we can uh, we can solve a lot of interesting pro problems in the world. Like I think you all also touched on this with uh, in the podcast with Firehill, where you talked about, uh, well, for example, I think you, I'm not sure if it was a personal conversation with him or your podcast, but it was about uh, the fact that a lot of people in Africa don't even have bank accounts yet like that kind of stuff. And that's the reason yep. why they can't really be involved in the economy. Like to me, that's so crazy because if you live in the Netherlands, you don't really see that stuff because well, we have it really good here. Um, and yeah, I, I think we just need to keep building, need to keep solving problems. And I think then we can solve a lot of interesting problems in the world, but at some point we'll need a bit of help from the government problem, probably like if they start backing what the web three world is doing, then uh, yeah, then we can move mountains. But we're already doing that, but on a bit smaller scale. So for you, Patrick, is this space really something uh, you're emotionally involved with, if I can call it that? Or if something better comes along, you would just be jumping ship uh, because you're just a business guy? Like, wh what do you think of this space in that sense? Like, what pulls you towards this? Yeah, interesting question um i'm not i wouldn't say i'm em too emotionally attached to it yet like i just think it has so much potential and it's just so exciting and since i'm a pretty curious guy i just love to to find out what we can do with all this technology so that's one of the biggest reasons i'm i'm currently working in the space but um i'm also trying to learn more about what we can do at the end of the day and the major problems in the world and if we are able to solve that with web three stuff. So at some point more like at some point, a more emotional connection will be like, uh, will, will, will form. But as of right now, it's just a lot of curiosity, lots of fun, a lot of excitement, a lot of amazing people. Um, and that's, that's the main reason I, I, I'm in this space and I'll stay in this space for a long time. Yeah. So if I sum it up, you want to make impact, right? And uh, preferably with the ideology of blockchain technology. Um, 
but it wasn't the reason you started at re-NFT. It was like, okay, how can I expand this curiosity for my personal goals and do they align with the company goals? That, that's what happened basically. So you, you ask yourself the question uh, or you did some reflection, I guess, like, am I still on the right path? Uh, or yeah. how did that process go? Yeah, it was mostly like, well, I want to build something that makes impact, but I don't think I have all the skills yet to build it. And it might be... So you want exposure? Yeah, probably exposure to the space, but also uh, just a lot of uh, just challenging problems that I can solve to learn more. Because I think like, I talked about this a lot with, uh, with a few friends of mine. They said, well, uh, with the money you're already earning, you can also help a bunch of people by just donating. And I'm like, well, I can start donating, I don't know, $1,000 or $10,000. And that could obviously help a bunch of people. But if I become a better entrepreneur and like in the next, I don't know, five to 10 years, then I can help way more people. Like we're talking 100 millions of people. And I think that that's way more interesting. So for me personally, it's just, learning skills, becoming a better entrepreneur to at the end of the day, like maybe in 10 or 20 or 30 years, build something that is so huge that so many people help. Uh, that That's just my, my main goal and main dream. But I am i don't really have the details yet. Uh, oh, that's okay. But there's an intent, right? You've got the fundamentals down. You're like, okay, I know how to build skills. I want to have exposure to the skills that I can build on the job so I earn money. It's a, it's a really powerful thing. And I think a lot of people don't understand that you can actually work on some something to learn. Yeah. That, that's what's happening, right? And um, that's a really powerful position to be in. And being aware of that position is... I think people need to think on that subject. So if you're if you're really passionate about a certain uh, working field, don't be scared about it. Learn some some basic skills. Get involved at a company that that is aligned with your personal goals and go for it. There's so much work to be done. Uh, so even if if you just have the amount of interest at this level and the skills here, that that should be enough to to get involved and get the exposure. Uh, Thank you, Patrick, for sharing that. It's a uh, it's a really powerful thing. And part of that, um, how, how'd you make that jump? Were you scared to make that Having jump? Having balls was of it, steels. Yeah, like, <laughs> These guys have gone. It's <laughs> are they made from steel or like what was that? Because a lot of people struggle with that, right? Like they they want they have the ambition, they want to make that jump, but they just can't quite do it because it's it's just, scary. Just buy some crypto, you get these huge gones, right? <laughs> Well, I can tell you the last time I checked, they were not from steel, but I'll check again after the call. (laughs) (laughs) But pretty big. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, it's a bit off topic. (laughs) Well, I said before the call, I said I was an open book. So, uh, no, but let's not uh, dive into that too much. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. For me, it it came pretty naturally, actually, because when I... uh, it was actually because of Gary Vaynerchuk that I was learning a lot about entrepreneurship and how to become an entrepreneur at all. Because I, like, at the age of uh, I don't know, at the age of eight or something, I started selling. Uh, there were like uh, Nintendo games that you could download on the internet. So my dad taught yeah. me how to do that, and I came up with the idea to to buy CDs and to to add those. Uh, uh, I, those files, those games on the CDs and just sell those CDs to other people. 
So I feel like entrepreneurship has also come always come pretty naturally to me. Um, and yeah, it's always just, uh, for me, what I do is just make a list of, well, what, what's really the worst case scenario? What, what's the worst thing that can happen? So for example, when I took the leap of, uh, well, I was studying at a university and I decided to, to quit basically after one year and I was like, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, the worst thing that can happen is I, I, I quit. I wait a year and the next year I start going to study again. Like that, that's literally the worst case scenario of quitting your study for a year. So uh, yeah, I just always look at what, what's the most optimal scenario, what's likely and what's the worst case scenario. And yeah, it's worth it for me if I look at those things. And then, yeah, I don't really feel too much risk. It just makes sense for me. But it's also, I, I, I keep it that way. Like for example, the moment I, I earn more, I don't spend more. So I'm, I could say, well, I'm going to lease a Tesla now, but, uh, I'm still, you know, I have like the, the, the most cheap car ever. Like it's a $200 car that's completely broken, but I don't care because it brings me from A to B and I don't want to increase my monthly costs because I want to make sure that I'm flexible and that I don't have to stick to a specific thing just to pay the bills. So it's a really uh, just a few decisions that I really made on purpose to make sure that there's not much risk, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, that's how I do it. I think that's very valuable for a lot of people, actually. Yeah, you're you're actually mitigating every risk scenario, uh, making solid decisions based on that, and. Um, I think it's a huge misunderstanding as well in entrepreneurship that people say that they're risk takers, like. Yeah. They risk assessors, it, yeah. Yeah, but cool. it, it's you're not really taking in in my head at least. Uh, you're not really taking that big of a risk. You just know like what the uh, results are going to be in any scenario, and you're like, oh, you know, that's that's not too bad. But you're not actually taking a, a huge risk in in your eyes, right? No, worst case, you're losing some time. Like obviously, time yeah. is the most valuable thing you have. That's for sure, but. I don't know at the end of the day you're going to die so make sure that you do stuff that you that's that makes it worth living so do stuff that you think is interesting do stuff that you think challenges you and you want to solve and if that's in gaming do it there if that's in art do it there like it doesn't matter where just make sure that you're like doing something yeah that you uh that you that you really like and then that's really matter. i think it's actually a risk to not take the risk a lot take the leap to do something that you'd love to do. Uh, and the main risk is that at the end of the day, where you're like, I don't know, 18, you're on your deathbed. You're like, well, if I had done that, or if I had made a decision there, or if I had walked up to that girl, or if I did that specific study or whatever, I think it's a way bigger risk to, to have regret than to fail right now. Oh man, that's, that's hundred percent right. Well said. Yeah, I completely sound a agree. bit like Gary Vaynerchuk right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're slowly getting there. <laughs> the hairline is better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you making TikToks? Yeah. Uh, that was really good. I like that. So yeah. you're already this wise. You've already learned this much, and you're you're still learning every day, like you mentioned, skills wherever you need them. What's next? How do you see this going over the next five to 10 years? You mentioned maybe in 20 to 30 years, you want to build that giant company. 
what do you see your trajectory be in, in the upcoming years? Yeah, so for me personally, it feels like my next step is probably to, to build my own startup uh, and learn a lot along that way. Um, and yeah, gain a bunch of new skills, such as uh, funding, hiring, uh, but also setting up a whole company with company culture and making sure that's all covered. So yeah, for me, it's just acquiring new skills, learning new stuff, getting more experience, uh, and then, yeah, making sure that the moment an interesting problem comes up, that I think it's worth solving and it's something I really like, then make sure that I have all the skills to, to jump on it and, uh, hopefully make a lot of impact in the future until then just build stuff that, that matters and that's, that's nice and that's fun and that's challenging and just have a great time. Well, that's, that's amazing. I hope that works out. And uh, if you ever need anything from us, let us know. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, we're always happy. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much. It, man. Patrick, yeah. anything uh, you, you wanted to um, tell the audience, the people that are listening at home, uh, anything to plug? Um, this is your moment to shine. I want to be mindful of time. So I think uh, we're rounding up right here. Um, take a few minutes. Yeah, so probably the first thing that comes to mind that I see a lot lately is that a lot of people say, I want to do a specific thing and they are only looking at the end goal. So for me, that was a huge lesson because I thought that I wanted to make music and that was like my main passion. But what I really actually wanted to have is like being a DJ in front of a whole audience with like uh, all the amazing stuff that comes with it, but I didn't want to do the work. So I think one of the most important things is just figure out what you what you actually love to do and don't say, yeah, I want to do this or I want to lose weight or I want to whatever. And if you are not doing it all the time, it's most likely because you're not actually want to do it. And I think if you can find out for yourself what you actually love to do, and this, this sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes you have to like have really tough conversations with yourself and also the people around you to find this out. But main main thing is just find out what you actually love and just start working on that because life is short and you need to do stuff that's fun. So make sure that uh, that you're doing that. And if you feel like your job is not the right job for you, like no problem at all. There are so much. There are so many opportunities in the world. And even if you don't have a college degree, even if you don't have any skills yet, even if you're 50 or even if you're like I don't know 14, like there's something for you and just just make sure that you have a great time because that's the most important thing. And it would be amazing if you can also make an impact while having a great time. I think for me, that's the most fulfilling thing ever. So uh, yeah, just find out what, what it is for you and uh, have a great time on this planet. Awesome. Love Amen it. to that. Amen to that. <laughs> I love it. Man. Patrick, where can people find you next to our, in our community, you're reachable as Patrick Cole, right? Um, on LinkedIn, I guess. Are there any other socials you want to plug? Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter. It's uh, I think it's at Patrick Cole also. So uh, yeah, but if you want yeah, we'll to plug have, it down in the description. Yeah, so if you want to have a chat, Anybody just send me a DM, and I'm happy to have a chat with uh, with you guys. Amazing. Awesome, I want to thank you a lot for this. It's been a great conversation. You're a great guy. Thank you very much. I hope we uh, we'll see a lot of great things from you in the future. Thank Thanks you so much, Patrick. Have a thank beautiful day. Bye bye. And thank you everybody for listening again. And we'll see you later. Bye-bye.